Beginning the final chapter of impeachment and the final showdown before Iowa, slow news day. The lead starts right now. About to get served minutes ago, the Senate Majority Leader announcing when an impeachment trial could begin. As Speaker Pelosi says, she will hand over the articles tomorrow. Tonight is the night, live on CNN, the last debate before the first votes, and it comes as the feud between two candidates with very similar fan bases could erupt on stage. Plus, the shifting stories on the Iran strike, the Trump administration going from an attack was imminent to, no, 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 this is part of a long-term strategy. Welcome to The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper. We begin with the politics lead today. A huge 24 hours ahead in the Trump presidency. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi set to send the articles of impeachment to the Senate tomorrow and hold a vote on which House lawmakers will manage the impeachment case. This afternoon, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said he expects the Senate trial to start on Tuesday. Just hours from now, though, Democratic presidential candidates will take the stage In Iowa, for the CNN Des Moines Register debate, the final showdown before the actual Iowa caucuses 20 days from today. Polls indicate the caucuses are essentially a jump ball at this point. And these two stories are about to collide because three of tonight's debate participants are senators who will be jurors in the coming trial and will need to be in Washington, not on the campaign trail. And potentially the first fight they and their Senate colleagues will wage whether the Senate and the American people will hear from additional witnesses. Democrats arguing if the president has nothing to hide, then the White House should want officials such as John Bolton or Mick Mulvaney to testify. Republicans are warning Democrats, be careful what you wish for, as CNN's Caitlin Collins reports. Good morning, everyone. After waiting nearly a month, Speaker Nancy Pelosi says the House will vote Wednesday to send its impeachment charges against President Trump to the Senate. Speaker indicated with the full consent of the caucus uh, that those articles of impeachment will be transmitted to the Senate. Following a closed-door meeting with her caucus, Pelosi issued a statement saying the American people deserve the truth and the Constitution demands a trial. But there are still questions about what that trial will look like. Pelosi offering no hints today about which Democratic lawmakers she'll choose to serve as prosecutors, announcing that, too, will have to wait until tomorrow. That is a question um, to be addressed by Speaker Pelosi. The vote will kick off Trump's long-awaited trial in a matter of days. Next Tuesday. Jump-starting a clash between Republicans and Democrats over their demands to include new witnesses and evidence. There's no constitutional exception for a House majority with a short attention span. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell argued against both today. House Democrats' case cannot simultaneously be so robust that it was enough to impeach in the first place, but also so weak that the Senate needs to go fishing. But after the White House blocked House Democrats from gaining access to crucial witnesses and key documents... Who's ever heard of a trial without witnesses and documents? Democrats say it's necessary for a fair trial. And these witnesses, by the way, are not what Republicans say they're Democratic plants. They're the people appointed by President Trump. As moderate Republican senators debate whether to vote to include witnesses, the president's allies are warning it can go both ways. I think... 
if we want to have a fair trial and have witnesses from everyone, that would include Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, and really the whistleblower. White House aides insist Trump isn't worried about new witnesses. Despite him saying he'll invoke executive privilege of his former national security advisor, John Bolton, is subpoenaed. I hate to talk about hypotheticals, but let's be clear. The president is not afraid of a fight. Now, Jake, if the trial does get started on Tuesday, as McConnell predicted earlier, the president is slated to be out of the country. He's scheduled to go to an economic forum in Switzerland. And while he canceled that trip last year because of that government shutdown, right now the trip is still on. White House officials tell us, though, Jake, we know this is a president who doesn't like traveling out of the country anyway, and certainly not when there's big news about him. All right, Carolyn Collins, uh, thanks so much. Uh, let's chew over all this. Uh, Hillary Rosen, uh, let me start with you. Take a listen again to what Majority Leader McConnell said today on the Senate floor uh, about Democrats. House Democrats' case cannot simultaneously be so robust that it was enough to impeach in the first place, but also so weak that the Senate needs to go fishing. If the existing case is strong, there's no need for the judge and the jury to reopen the investigation. How do Democrats counter that? <laughs> Mitch McConnell is, he's so smart to be such an obvious hypocrite here um, that he, you know, he knows that um, the White House prevented people from testifying in the House. He knows that the House had no choice but to go forward without testimony from key witnesses and that a key witness, namely the former national security advisor, Josh Bolton, has offered to come and give more information to the Senate. So, you know, I, I think this is just theater that he's doing. It's obviously, look, I'll, we have to own this. It's theater the Democrats are doing, too. But, you know, the American people do need to see that it is the Republicans at this point trying to keep information from them. Are Republicans going to be able to prevent witnesses? It seems like there's a majority support for witnesses uh, out there in the polling uh, indicates. And also there are Republican senators uh, who say they want to hear witnesses. Obviously, we need 51 members of the Senate to make that decision. But the overall consensus from those in the Senate, they want to hear Let's hear the case. Let's hear both sides. And at that point, make a decision whether or not we need to hear more witnesses. But to, to Hillary's point, the reality is if Hillary, if um, Nancy Pelosi was so certain about these articles of impeachment and she was so certain it was time to to pass these articles, then she would be rushing to the Senate for them to put this on the floor. And the fact that she delayed it for three weeks, in my mind, says she wasn't confident with this. And and her idea and her decision to slow roll this has really backfired. She's one of the most strategic people in Washington. <laughs> and for her to slow roll it to this degree was a very calculated gamble, but she did not. Uh, Karen, I know you want to play with this. I, I want, <laughs> we're going to come right to you, but I want you to take a listen to this exchange, because it's on point to, to what uh, was just said. Take a listen to this point. CNN's Manu Raju uh, asked uh, about this with Democratic Congresswoman uh, Rosa Dolores, specifically about with Pelosi withholding the articles for weeks and weeks. Why did she release the articles? Why did she say she ultimately released the articles if they weren't going to do what she considers a fair trial? Well, she will be doing, you know, she's thought very carefully about this in conjunction with the with the committee chairs uh, who have uh, been responsible for this. And she will, uh, you know, uh, make her case and proceed forward. 
I didn't get an answer there, really. <laughs> what, what? Okay, I'll give you an answer. So what did Pelosi, accom- answer, what did Pelosi right. accomplish here? Well, what are we talking about right now? Whether or not there should be witnesses. And that's what we've been talking about for several weeks. And if you look at the polls, 7 in 10 Americans actually think the president should let the people come forward, those who were not able to testify during the House proceedings, and testify. They have important information. We know that. And the only reason to not let them come forward is because you have something to hide. And I guarantee you that is what a lot of people think. We've all watched, you know, crime shows and they always tell you, you know, when the person doesn't testify on their own behalf, it always makes you wonder, well, what are they hiding? And in this instance, I think with Trump, I mean, because we know he is so has such a penchant for lying, it's very hard for them to make a, a credible argument as to why not have John Bolton go ahead and testify. There certainly can be things that are you can you know, still hold confidences and protect national security. That doesn't mean he can't answer a simple question like, so did you say that I forget the quote that he said about it being a, a, a drug deal or what have you? Mm-hmm. What's wrong with being asked that question? So what about the idea that Republicans are saying, OK, you know, some Republicans are saying, OK, maybe we'll have witnesses. But that means we get to call witnesses, too. And you just heard right. uh, Rand Paul say Hunter Biden, Joe Biden and the whistleblower. Yeah, uh, I remain completely mystified by Pelosi's plan on this. Uh, the House controlled one part of the process. The Senate controlled the other part of the process. Everyone knew this when we began. She had no leverage when she began. She remains with no leverage, which is why she's going to hand them over. So if they are going to get witnesses, the way they're going to get witnesses is that Republicans will get witnesses that they want to hear. They could and should have, I think, subpoenaed people in the House like Bolton and let them go through the judicial process to determine what would be national security concerns. They decided not to do that. What was the argument? That they had to get this done super, super fast. But apparently they didn't. Because here we are sitting on it three Come weeks on. later. This is disingenuous to say she sat on this. This right. is over the holiday. She was like, right? Pause. The Senate was in se- out of session. Please. It's not like if she had delivered the documents that they would have immediately started the trial. They wouldn't have. I feel like withholding. So this do, you think she's accomplished, do you think Pelosi's accomplished something? Yeah, I think that she's created a conversation that did not exist before. I think Karen is right on that. I do think um, whether it's John Bolton or anyone else, the it's the president's behavior on trial. It is not. Joe Biden's behavior. It is not Hunter Biden's behavior. It is whether or not the president used his power as a president to um, withhold uh, already congressional sponsored money for political purposes. And it has nothing to do with why he might have done it, just that he did it. Right. But it's Mitch McConnell's decision what to do moving forward. Nancy Pelosi had her chance. It's now Mitch McConnell. All right. Everyone everyone stick around. We got more. We got more to talk about how Joe Biden, of all people, could theoretically benefit most from the pending Senate impeachment trial. Why the top House Republican is suggesting that today. Plus, the sharpened attack lines coming in now and setting the tone for tonight's Democratic debate only on CNN. Stay with us. In our politics lead today, the vote is tomorrow to send the impeachment articles to the U.S. Senate. As Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says, the trial in the Senate will probably start on Tuesday. Joining me now is New Jersey Democratic Senator Bob Menendez who will be, as will all his colleagues, a juror in the upcoming Senate impeachment trial. Senator Menendez, uh, thanks for joining us, as always. Uh, Do you really think Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is going to allow witnesses? Well, I don't think that, left to his own volition, he will allow witnesses. But the question will be whether several of my Republican colleagues who say that they express an interest and a desire to see witnesses, whether they'll vote that way. If they do, uh, then there will be witnesses. And the only way that we don't have witnesses, if if Republican senators, uh, at least a few of them, 
don't join us to have certain critical witnesses. We're not looking for a lot of witnesses. We're looking for critical witnesses that can shed light on some of the essential elements of the House's impeachment articles. Who, who are you looking for? John Bolton, Mick Mulvaney, anyone else? John Bolton, uh, the former national security advisor, who two-thirds of the American people want to see testify, Mulvaney, the chief of staff, uh, some of the people at OMB who got that call after President Trump spoke uh, to the Ukrainian president and said the president wants a hold uh, on these monies. I think those are some of the essential people that uh, need to testify, as well as some essential documents that I think prove the case. We've begun to see a series of emails and other correspondence that has come out by virtue of litigation in the courts. Imagine if we had all of those documents to deduce what really happened here. And most Americans know mm -hmm. that a trial, whether they're a juror or been a participant in it, uh, includes witnesses and documents. Well, Senator, obviously the Republicans control the Senate. The Democrats don't. So that's who the Democrats want to testify, as you just said. Republican Senator Rand Paul uh, gave a warning about the risk of calling witnesses, writing, quote, my colleagues can't have it both ways, calling for some while blocking others. If we're going to give a platform to witnesses, the Democrats demand. I look forward to forcing votes to call Hunter Biden and many more. Now, I understand you think that Hunter Biden's not germane, uh, that the whistleblower doesn't need to testify and on and on. But is that an, a trade you're willing to make, given the fact that, let's be honest, Democrats don't have the votes. I mean, you need Republicans to join with you. Well, I think that some of the senators who I've spoken to and who I hear publicly expressing concerns and interests about having witnesses don't want to turn this into a circus. There's a difference between having witnesses that have substantial uh, and substantive information and can shed light on the issues of the charges that the House has brought through their impeachment articles and then creating a circus. If we want to create a circus, that's a different thing. I think Republicans run the risk if they actually want to have a Hunter Biden Biden uh, or others that have no substance on the articles of impeachment, that at the end of the day, uh, it'll be seen as a circus and it won't be the fair, full, honest uh, trial that the American people want to see. Listen to House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy today arguing that by holding back the articles until now, Speaker Pelosi essentially helped Joe Biden in his presidential bid. Let's roll that tape. No one questions about what she gained was nothing. But if there's anyone who gained from this, it'd be anybody who's running for president that's not in the U.S. Senate. With Iowa quickly upon us in early February, those four senators who are running for president will now no longer have a voice. McCarthy also called on Biden to suspend his campaign while the trial's going on. What do you make of all that? Uh, it's pure politics. Look, uh, if, uh, you know, President Trump has elicited, uh, had Rudy Giuliani go to Ukraine. Now the Russians are in the midst of doing what they did in his last election, looking into Burisma, the company that Hunter Biden worked on, to see if they can dig up dirt. The Russians are once again digging up dirt for the president. It's politics. At the end of the day, the speaker wanted to ensure that the uh, sanctity of the House's efforts were preserved and an opportunity in the Senate to uh, leverage the opportunity for witnesses and documents. And I think that the documents that have come out that make a compelling case and witnesses that even some Republican senators are now saying they want to see um, inure to the benefit of what she's done. So I don't think this is about the politics of Joe Biden or anybody else. It's about the sanctity of the impeachment process that the House took.
Senator Bob Menendez, Democrat of New Jersey, thanks so much. The candidates Thank have you. arrived at tonight's debate site. Sure, warm greetings now, but there's one particular rift that could theoretically break wide open in a matter of hours. Stay with us. That's a live look at the CNN Democratic debate stage in Des Moines, Iowa. That's our 2020 lead today. Tonight at the CNN Des Moines Register debate, Senators Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren will stand just feet apart for the very first time since their first major public conflict, which touches on issues of sexism and electability. The spat is causing some progressives to panic, as CNN's Arlette Signs reports. Six Democratic contenders coming face-to-face on the debate stage tonight as multiple clashes are brewing. Up first, a major divide among the top two progressive candidates, with Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren engaged in a personal battle. CNN first reporting Sanders told Warren in a private 2018 meeting that he didn't think a woman could win the presidency. Warren confirmed in a statement, I thought a woman could win. He disagreed. Sanders and his campaign pushing back. Is I think the wires are crossed. I think there was a discussion about Trump, misogyny, uh, sexism in politics, and, and, and the difficulty of running in the era of Trump for women, the special challenges that women face in the era of Trump. But, you know, those conversations can sometimes get misconstrued. The crisis with Iran also thrusting foreign policy front and center tonight. Joe Biden sees his experience as an advantage. But Sanders is trying to turn Biden's long record into a liability, saying he was on the wrong side of history on the Iraq war. Well, you can make that decision. All I know is that I knew what that vote was about. And when you had an administration that was itching to go to war, they were itching. Everybody knew that. You don't give them the authority. You vote no. That's what I did. But Biden trying to keep his focus on President Trump. The new ad on Iowa airwaves stressing electability. He's got Joe Biden on his mind. Tonight's debate stage will be the smallest yet and also the least diverse. Democratic contender Deval Patrick calling on the DNC to change its criteria to qualify for future debates, saying the rules have not served to demonstrate to Democratic voters or to the nation the breadth and depth of diverse talent in the field. But the DNC isn't budging. We did have the most diverse field in American history, and I'm proud of that. And what we said every month was that The closer we got to Iowa, we would do what we've always done, which is raise the bar. Now, while this battle has been brewing between Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders offstage, an aide to Warren says she's not interested in looking for a fight with Bernie Sanders on the debate stage tonight. They simply pointed back to her statement from last evening when she said she wasn't interested in further discussing that conversation with Bernie Sanders in further detail. Jake. Arlette Signs live in Des Moines, Iowa. Thanks so much. Uh, Let's discuss. So, Hillary, let me start with you. The, the explanation that we heard from uh, the Sanders campaign last night was basically, look, they got their wires crossed. What Bernie was trying to say, what Senator Sanders was trying to say was Trump will exploit misogyny and sexism and make it difficult for a woman yeah. to win. He wasn't saying he doesn't believe a woman. What they were win. saying is the little lady misunderstood. Um, right. <laughs> exactly. Um, but look, I, my guess is, my prediction is that there was some conversation today between uh, Warren and Sanders if not directly, and with their camp, because it's actually not in their interest to take on each other. It doesn't help either one. It doesn't help either one of them, because they need to, you know, stop Joe Biden. They need to stop Pete Buttigieg. And so they're better off collecting as many delegates as they can among the two of them than 
um, uh, dividing and up. So I, I imagine that right. this is going to go away pretty quick. Well, the reality but we won't is, forget it. Right. right. She may not be going on the debate stage looking for a fight with Sanders on this, but she is going to get one because this has occupied all the oxygen in the newsroom for the last 24 hours. And despite how it came out, she has put him on his heels talking about this in a very critical time. So from the strategic standpoint, he has uh, she has been successful in getting him off message at a critical time. He's three points ahead of her in Iowa, and this is a critical final stretch to the to the caucuses. And for her to get him off message, it was a I think that's a good point. And the other thing is, even if she doesn't go after him, she can stay quiet. But Amy Klobuchar, this is an opening for her to talk about women. It's an opening for Joe Biden to talk about his support of women. So other people may end up doing this. But it's also without a her. question to right. say, did you say this or not? She says you had this conversation. You say you didn't say it. What happened? So there is this. Um, I'm going to try again because again, Sanders <laughs> doesn't have any supporters at this table. So I will play the role. I can jump in. Um, but here's the idea. Uh, here's here's an argument. I have heard plenty of Democratic women yeah. say that they are afraid that a woman cannot win. I, I'm sure that you've heard that, if not maybe even said it at one point or another yourselves. Sanders has his certain blunt style. Maybe it came out wrong. Is that possible? Well, I, I am willing to believe a lot of very bad things about Bernie Sanders. Um, <laughs> I actually, it doesn't ring true to me that he would genuinely believe that a woman could not run and win as president. He got clobbered by Hillary last time around, so he's experienced this before. But, know that yet. but, like, so that doesn't ring exactly true to me, and I think he likely could have been handicapping the race in a very clumsy way. Um, the other thing is, like, these folks are going to fight each other. They're, it's like it's like going on The Bachelorette and expecting to find friends. Like, that's not what they're doing here. They're looking for votes. They're competing against each other. And he should make the point, frankly, like, look, there were two people in the room. And uh, my, my colleague, uh, Senator Warren, has a history of stretching the truth. Uh, and one of her largest lies, uh, her actual DNA contradicts her. So, so an- another another <laughs> another issue. Ooh, um, low blow, except the, she pretended to be a wait, Native an- American. So you wanna, that was the low blow. Just very quickly, here's the thing, though. It's not just about what may or may not have been said in this conversation. Bernie came into this race with a bit of a legacy. The Bernie bros yeah. were known to have been horrible to women they online. Are I know plenty of women who would say things like, I mean, there were secret groups of women who didn't want to have to deal with the Bernie bros, so they didn't want to engage online. And the Bernie bros, again, they're pretty obnoxious, and they're very sexist and misogynist. So part of it is, you know, it's part of the reason why when he endorsed Cenk Uger and then had to pull that back because of those comments. I mean, he did come in with an impression, and a lot of women still feeling pretty raw from 2016 about the fact that, you know, he he didn't stand up for Hillary or have her back or campaign for her, I think, as vigorously as he could have. But also, you know, he never really took on the Bernie bros and said, let's let's tame, yeah. let's calm down. A bit. He, he, no, no, that's not true. I, I interviewed him and I did ask him about the Bernie bros. And he said nobody should be saying things like that. Nobody should be doing right. things oh, like but that. But that's not the same doesn't. thing, Jake. That is not the same thing as saying you should not be threatening people. You should not. When be, it and comes I'm, up, he, yeah. he mostly ignores it. But you're right. When confronted by a respected journalist, he says the right thing. But I do. I look, I think it's just that. Bernie generally, and I'm going to, uh, it doesn't, he, he thinks of this as identity politics. It's the same way he doesn't engage people of color. He doesn't really engage women. He doesn't think about he thinks in, the in, country that way. He thinks in terms of class, That's not we... in terms of, of other demographics. And so I, I, I believe that he said that to Elizabeth Warren, 
But I also think that this is part of a larger problem that Elizabeth Warren is struggling with, that Amy Klobuchar is struggling with, that Democratic women are struggling with. So we're going to we're we're going to we're in a panel. (laughs) We're just going to take a quick break. We're coming back. Same conversation to stay with us. Coming up, he'll be on stage tonight with five other Democrats. But Joe Biden may be focused on someone else. Stay with us. Continuing with our 2020 lead, hours before he takes center stage at Drake University at tonight's CNN Des Moines Registered Debate, former Vice President Joe Biden's super PAC released a new ad called Consequences. And Biden in the ad is letting President Trump do the talking. Donald Trump has made it clear. Joe Biden. 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 And Biden. He's got Joe Biden on his mind because Trump knows Biden will beat him in Pennsylvania. Michigan and Wisconsin, the states we need to take back the presidency. Let's chew over all this. What do you think, Mary Catherine? Good and? I think that is his most solid argument. I'm a basically plausible guy who you know and basically like. And yeah, I fumble up my words sometimes, but uh, I can beat Trump in these specific states where we have to beat him. That is, a, that is a fairly good argument and one that is at the top of Democrats' minds. And, yeah. and the reality is, if your message ain't broke, don't fix it. That's been his message from the very beginning. I am the candidate of all of these people on the stage that has the credentials to take on Donald Trump. And he's leading in a, a lot of the national polls, specifically further down the primary and caucus calendar, and that is strong. So if this is a message that has worked for him up until now, there's no reason to change it. There is, of course, the question of should he be talking about something other than electability? Electability, everybody in the United States is now a pundit uh, in, some, <laughs> in some other countries as well, I think. Uh, but but uh, should he be talking about how uh, he is best on the economy, best on health care? What do you think? Well, two things. First, um, I don't think he talks about electability. I think it's a different message to actually say, vote for me and I will calm this country the F down. That's kind of his message. It's not really I'm the most electable. It's that I'm the safest in a way. Um, And I do think that this week with Iran bodes well for him. It'll be interesting to see how much of that comes up tonight uh, because people do see him as an experienced commander in chief. So let's talk about that because the Democratic candidates have used the background of tensions with Iran to debate foreign policy. Uh, Biden's been embracing that. Bernie Sanders has stepped up his critiques of Joe Biden's vote in support of the Iraq war, the Sanders campaign, continuing that, uh, continuing that on Twitter today, sharing this tweet, quote, when you look at my record versus Joe Biden's record, this is Sanders talking, I just don't think that Biden's record is going to bring forth the energy that we need to defeat Trump. There's also the, the fact that Biden advised President Obama not to go ahead with the Osama bin Laden raid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have this quote from former Defense Secretary Gates uh, that Joe Biden's been wrong about every major policy and foreign policy for his entire career. I mean, this is an area of vulnerability for him, potentially. Although I think he, some people would also credit him, though, with uh, his uh, going all in on counterterrorism strategy. I think a lot of people believe that was a good call. And I think if I remember back to the beginning of the Iraq war, when he talked about the idea of let's not try to make all these people who don't actually agree and get along be one country, he was one of the few people who had some ideas about how do you let each of the different factions actually be their own entity. But most importantly, look, this is the closing argument in some ways to, if you, particularly if you're a member of the Senate, before the Iowa caucuses start. So what you're, I think there's two things you got to do tonight, right? One is you got to be presidential because if I'm going to go and I'm going to caucus and I'm going to, you know, it is hard. It takes a long time. 
I got to be passionate that you are my person. You are the best person to lead this country and that you can be the commander in chief. Because no doubt, as Hillary was saying, we know from the polling, people are still very afraid. They don't agree with how President Trump has handled Iran. They're still very concerned about what's happening and what that impact is going to be. So they're going to be looking for who can be a commander in chief, who's going to be the person who can Mm. repair our relationships around the world who can calm some of this down, but who can be tough enough to take on Russia, to take on Iran, to take on China. And, you know, I think the conversation about the Iraq war, we know we're going to have that. But ultimately, and even Bernie has to do this, what's the future? What's your vision? How do you move us yeah. forward? Well, I, think, want to hear. I think that's where Biden's opportunity is. If, that's right. if he says, well, I'm the plausible guy. I was there. I check all the boxes. Moving on, how far are we going down this isolationist road, Bernie? Mm-hmm. Right. Bernie will be happy to to lay out his whole plan for pretty a pretty far out there position on this, which I think will make even some Democratic primary voters concerned about his foreign policy positions. On the other hand, there's a, there's indication that Senator Warren might bring up uh, their how they fought in the early aughts over the bankruptcy bill before Warren was even a senator when she was a professor uh, and how Biden is in the pocket of corporations, corporate America, credit card companies, et cetera. Uh, and that could be hurtful for him. Well, th- there are a couple things that that will be certainly uh, an attack that she will use. She loves to use uh, everybody. The elites are the, the boogeyman. But he will certainly be attacked by uh, Sanders with regard to his vote for the uh, Iraq invasion. Look, uh, Bernie Sanders was right on that. Uh, Joe, Joe, uh, Biden was wrong on that, but we had the benefit of hindsight with that. But he can make the case, having been a vice president under Barack Obama, that he has the, the skill set and the mindset in order to, to lead when it comes to the foreign policy stage. But going into this, Karen is right. You have to make the case tonight to get people to commit to caucus. There are 1,600 caucuses in Iowa. You have to get people out there to commit to go vote for you. And Bernie Sanders has the benefit of having the 2016 playbook. He's well ahead of the others, and they need to make up some ground tonight. Watch tonight, CNN, uh, Des Moines Register presidential debate in partnership, as I said, with Des Moines Register. It's tonight at 9 o'clock Eastern, only on CNN. Coming up, the Trump administration's new rationale for the strike that killed Iran's top general and how the reasoning looks to a former CIA officer. That's next. Stay with us. And our world lead, the Trump administration now pivoting away from its initial core defense of why it was necessary to kill Iranian General Qasem Soleimani. Immediately after the strike, as you might recall, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo repeatedly pointed to the threat of an imminent attack. If you're looking for imminence, you need to look no further than the days that led up to the strike. It was imminent. This was an intelligence-based assessment. There is no doubt that there were a series of imminent attacks. In the last 24 hours, however, the administration seems to be reframing its argument around the idea of the strike being part of a larger strategy of deterrence. President Trump and those of us in his national security team are reestablishing deterrence, real deterrence against the Islamic Republic. It reestablished deterrence. It responded to uh, attacks that had been uh, already committed. Joining me now to discuss is Republican Congressman Will Hurd of Texas. He's a former CIA officer. He serves, currently serves on the House Intelligence Committee. Congressman, good to see you. As always, um, there's no dispute here among reasonable people. Soleimani was a horrible person. He had the blood of innocence mm-hmm. on his hands. But doesn't it matter what the government gives as a justification for such a strike? 
Um, I, I would agree with that, and, and using precise language is important. I don't know if uh, deterrence and, and immediacy are, are that far away um, from you know, a, a, a reason or for, for doing the strike, but I think it's important to use precise um, language, especially when it comes to really important and, and sensitive intelligence for two reasons. One, um, if this intelligence source is ongoing and it's so good that if the bad guys get you know find out what that information was they might be able to understand that source and as we say in the intel business uh, that source gets burned and so using precise language um, to protect your sources is ultimately important and, and and I believe a lot of folks would love to see uh, this intelligence know what was in this intelligence but um, I would agree with our chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Milley, when he said that that intelligence was, was uh, clear in um, what was going to happen and the potential mm -hmm. uh, loss, of, loss of life. And, and I, would concur, I would concur with that initiative. But I think we can say uh, that the, what happened to Qasem Soleimani, who, who as the head of the largest terrorist organization, most financed, well-financed terrorist organization um, in the world, that um, that is deterrence. And we know that um, the Army War College did a report on activities in Iraq since I believe it was after 2008 to about 2018, yeah. that when there was consequences to Iranian behavior, they stopped doing um, negative behavior. So um, I think all these things can exist at one time. Sure. I mean, the reason I asked is because President Trump tweeted that it doesn't matter whether the attacks uh, were imminent. Um, and Congressman Justin Amash, former Republican, now independent, one of your colleagues, he uh, wrote on Twitter, quote, contrary to President Trump's claim, it does matter whether there's an imminent threat. It matters under our Constitution. A president can't order any strikes except pursuant to a congressional authorization unless the strikes are emergency defensive responses to an imminent attack. Again, Soleimani was a horrible person, sure. um, but don't you think the administration needs to prove an imminent threat or be subject to congressional authorization? Well, I, I think in, in this case, and, and where some of the debates um, on, on this comes, is whether Qasem Soleimani was a, just a, a part of a, a, of a foreign government, or was he the leader of a terrorist organization? Um, Qasem Soleimani under uh, Obama and also prior that um, under um, President Bush, um, he individually was, had a number of sanctions put on him. Um, the IRGC Quds Force, which he ran, um, was uh, designated as a foreign terrorist organization, and um, so was the broader um, um, IRGC. Right. And so, so you can't, in my opinion, you cannot hide behind a uniform of your country to prevent you from being uh, determined as a as a, um, a a terrorist. And so, the attack on Qasem Soleimani, he was in. Um, Iraq, which is a, 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 a hot battle zone. He's an identified um, belligerent within that war. Mm -hmm. And there was intelligence to suggest that there was going to potentially be um, a loss of American life and, and allies' lives. All right, Congressman Will Hurd, Republican of Texas, thank you so much for your time, sir. Appreciate it, as always. Thank what you. may be strong evidence of Russia at it again, trying to interfere with yet another U.S. election. Stay with us. President Trump wanted dirt on the Bidens. Now it appears so does Russia. A cybersecurity firm, Area One, says just in the last few weeks, Russia hacked the Ukrainian gas company 
Burisma, the same company at the center of President Trump's impeachment, where Joe Biden's son, Hunter, used to serve on its board. As Alex Marquardt now reports for us, now Speaker Pelosi wants to know, what do cybersecurity and intelligence officials in the administration know about this hack that has, according to Area One, the exact hallmarks of Russia's 2016 election interference campaign? The playbook is familiar, but the target is new. This time, Russian hackers accused of breaking into Burisma, Ukrainian energy company that Joe Biden's son was on the board of, which has been at the center of the president's impeachment proceedings. Burisma. 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 The Bidens and Burisma. According to Area One, which is the research group that revealed the breach, the tactics used on Burisma late last year are practically identical to what the same group of Russian military hackers, called the GRU, used in 2016 to get into the DNC and Hillary Clinton's campaign. We're 100% confident that it's associated with the Russian GRU. The GRU executed what are known as credential harvesting phishing campaigns. So these are uh, attempts to steal usernames and passwords. Fake websites were set up to lure Burisma employees into handing over their information so the hackers could get inside. It worked, but it's unclear what the Russians were looking for or what they got. With the uproar around the Biden connection and it all starting in early November as the impeachment proceedings were heating up, signs point to the Russians looking for dirt on the Bidens, which the president is also accused of asking for. We expect these types of cyber actors to continue on until they're successful um, uh, and to accomplish their goal. Hillary Clinton today tweeting that this new attack shows the Russians are back at it, once again to benefit Donald Trump. It certainly looks like they're at it again and with an eye towards helping this president. So far, no word from the White House. Joe Biden's campaign responding in part. Now we know that Vladimir Putin also sees Joe Biden as a threat. Any American president who had not repeatedly encouraged foreign interventions of this kind would immediately condemn this attack on the sovereignty of our elections. Now, we asked both Russia and Burisma for comment. Neither have responded. While House Speaker Nancy Pelosi today called this new report alarming and demanded that the Trump administration brief Congress on what it knows. She also accused President Trump and Senate Republicans of doing nothing, refusing to defend the integrity of U.S. elections. Jake. And Alex, it's not just Russia that's a concern, as I understand. No, they're among the strongest, but it's an ever-growing group. And today we heard from the intelligence community's top elections person, uh, Shelby Pearson. She said that along with Russia, you have China, Iran, North Korea, and what she called non-state hacktivists who have the opportunity, the means, and potentially the motive to get involved in the 2020 U.S. elections. Quite dispiriting. And those who don't say anything about it today, I mean, they could be targets tomorrow. Right. Alex Marquardt, thanks so much. A reminder, you can see tonight's CNN presidential debate in partnership with the Des Moines Register tonight, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern, here on CNN, only here on CNN. And you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Jake Taffer. You can tweet the show at The Lead CNN. Our coverage on CNN continues right now. Thanks for watching. I'll see you tomorrow. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.